1: Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. For those of you who don't know about the show, the show's in two parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law and the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, that's avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Again, my name is Mike Connors. I'm a lawyer. I started Connors & Sullivan a little over 40 years ago, and that's what we do as a law firm. We do estate planning and, and elder law. And, you know, we're open for business again. So if you want to schedule an appointment with me or one of the other attorneys in our office, Give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We have offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Manhattan. Now, each week, Kevin McCullough takes a question from our audience. He asks us a question on his show, which you can hear Monday through Friday on WMCA, The Mission, at 3 o'clock each day, 9.70 The Answer, from ordinarily from 5 to 6 with a bonus hour of an hour on wednesday so kevin take it away
2: hi kevin mccullough and every week we promise you you're going to get a question answered from mike connors of connors and sullivan the experts that i refer everyone to when it uh, depends upon estate care and elder law and uh connors and sullivan of course the premier law firm handling those things mike this week's question comes from william he says is my estate going to have to pay federal taxes when i die And are there steps I can take to avoid federal estate taxes? Thank you so much. Mike Connors.
1: Okay, well, the the answer right now is probably no, because the federal laws, you know, this is under the Trump tax changes. There's no death tax, estate tax, federally, under almost $12 million. There's no tax between husband and wife. And there's no tax, even in a single person, under $12 million. And between husband and wife... We can leave twelve million dollars for husband, twelve million dollars for wife, so we can get twenty four million dollars out tax free federally. Now, if somebody has assets in excess of those amounts, then that's the case where we have to do gifting plans and so forth to try to reduce the estate the estate tax because once you go over those limits you really get hit. And a warning, New York State is five million eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars and it it may sound like a lot but there are a lot of people in the 6 million dollar range they don't do any planning and their kids have to pay a few hundred thousand dollars in taxes so that's where you need to do some planning.
2: Well, and especially when you're thinking about how much real estate may have gained in value over the period of time that an estate has existed.
1: Right, right. I mean, you know, you know, you have, we have some people come in, well, you know, I bought my house 30 years ago for uh, $50,000. It's not worth more than 300 and it's worth 800 or 900 or a million or whatever.
2: Yeah, well, and uh, since the uh, threshold is so much lower, friends, the way to deal with that is to uh, have the good people at Connors & Sullivan help you uh, understand where you stand. Here's their number, 718-238-6500. And get Mike Connors to answer your question right here on Kevin McCullough Radio. Drop him a note, ask Connors at com, Or on his own show every weekend, Saturday mornings at 8, Saturday evenings at 6 on AM 570, The Mission and FM 102.3. And Sunday mornings at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Kevin.
0: If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Amelia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.com. Quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank. NMLS number 403503.
1: Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer. Again, today, accompanied by my wife, Beth.
3: Hi, everybody.
1: My son, Michael. Hello, everyone. And Otto's not with us today. So uh. those dog lovers you have to wait for another day. <laughs> now, we do have a couple of guests on today. We have, you know, Vincent Everett Ellison, who is a interesting personality, to put it mildly, a little controversial, but I think America needs to hear what what he's saying. And also we have Michael Daugherty, you know, med tech executive or whatever, who's given a perspective on COVID and the deep state, even as, as it relates to you know, the pandemic. Now, Michael, Kevin, we're talking about email questions. Where does somebody email us a question about estate planning and elder law? If you want to get a question to us, you can reach us at
4: askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Connors is, of course, spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S, C-O-N-N-O-R-S. Also, you can reach us at our Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors Facebook page. There's also a Connors and Sullivan page that we're getting up and running right now. Um, So, yeah, multiple forms of media you can reach us on. Also, many of our older Connors Corner interviews, if you like our stuff, you can find many of them on YouTube. We should be getting some of the more recent ones uploaded shortly.
1: You know, again, on the YouTube, there are a lot of interesting personalities. We talk about politics, history, religion, a lot about history, obviously. And also some old TV movie star personalities like Mike Connors and Deborah Paget and Julie Newmar and Hugh O'Brien and so forth. So I, I always enjoy talking to older actors. And a lot of those interviews are preserved, you know, on YouTube, including, including some of the old historian Ed Bars, who I know some of you, you know— have a little problem following him sometimes because he gets started and he just keeps going.
3: He can't stop. He's right. deaf. Yeah. So he just tells so his I story. I can't ask him a
1: question in between. We just have to let him go. And, you know, but he's a remarkable personality. And he's one of the few guys we talk, I you know, I'd like to talk more about baseball right now, but we're not. Um, but he's one of the few guys, or if the only guy who was alive from the 1933 all-star game who saw the game, Babe Ruth's, you know, played in that game. Mel Ott, a lot of great ball players, Carl Hubble from back in the thirties. So Ed Barr is a great baseball fan, New York giant fan, even though I don't know how he became a giant fan living in Montana, but I guess Montana didn't have any baseball teams. <laughs> so that's what happened. Got to choose. Okay. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be listening to Michael Doherty.
5: We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org.
1: Time now for Connors Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Right now, our, our next guest is an author, CEO, Michael Daugherty. And you know, he, he's involved in, in different things, and he wrote a book a while back, you know. The devil inside the beltway, the shocking expose of the U.S. government's surveillance and overreach into cybersecurity, medicine, and small business. But right now, you know, COVID is taking center stage. So what comments do you have about that, Michael?
6: Well, uh, you know, this is this perfect storm of having to send the entire world to medical school. Mm. And they're all paying attention because everyone's life's being affected from Children not being able to go to school, so everyone having to wear masks, where people shame if you don't, and people wondering if we're all going to die soon. (laughs) And it was a a massive, you know, precautionary overreaction in the beginning. And now the you know the people within the government that like to control the masses don't like the fact that we're we're making headway because they want to lose control. They want to keep control, and and try to twist it to blame Trump. And try to have this thing ride out until November, which is unconscionable and demonstrates to the public uh, that there's nothing that they will not manipulate to keep power. And that includes your health and, 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 and your lifestyle, really, and your kids in school. We are making great headway on hospital stays being shorter, less people going to the hospital, less people needing ventilators, protecting the, the what we've learned is the very vulnerable class. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, kids clearly that don't get it nearly as often. They, they die of other diseases way more often. Uh, and when they're in school, uh, we don't have one single teacher that's been affected by a student in the world and none of this information gets out. It's all just, oh, more people are dying than ever before. And, you know, it's all going to come down. It's just a ruse to keep people terrified and hopefully fooled so that they'll blame Trump for all of it, which is pretty crazy and, and terrifying if, if the public really drinks that Kool Aid.
1: Yeah, but you know, nobody ever goes into depth about anything. Now now let me ask you something. I mean you just You're brought right. up ventilators. I mean a few months ago everybody was talking about ventilators. Not enough ventilators, not enough ventilators. Whatever happened to that?
6: Well, that's because everyone you know I, I say it was an educated guess and in the beginning we had way more guests and a lot less education. So everything was worst case scenario and politically driven because if you didn't have enough ventilators and they could blame it on you, so you know Trump sends a ship and a bunch of ventilators to New York. Uh, and then we find out, because all these people are politicized, that ventilators actually can do a lot of damage as well with this disease. And so you, you want to try to get people from being so uh, far down in the hole that they have to have ventilators. So, number one, we did not have the mass of sickness that we thought we were going to have. Uh, we certainly had some hospitals, but nowhere across the country. As a matter of fact, if you took hospital over hospital, most, most hospitals took a big hit because they were just dead as a doornail. And all other stuff got stopped, and the the tsunami of patients didn't come, and so that's why you don't hear about ventilators. Because now we're more into education, less guess. Oh, and guess what? Hydroxychloroquine works. We've got the redundosphere, We've got other medications. We 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 know how to how to handle this better. Uh, you know, and and not to, not to begrudge what we did in the beginning, because the Chinese put a bag over our head, and we had to. We had to do something to keep ourselves safe while we cleared through and got to the facts, but we know a lot more now in a very, very short term, and, uh, and that's why you're not hearing about ventilators.
1: What progress are we making right now? I mean, what should we be doing?
6: Well, we're making great progress in the fact what I love to do is, I, like, look at AIDS, right? We don't have a vaccine against AIDS, and it's been 30 years at least, more like 35, 40 years since that happened, and what do we have? We have drug cocktails, and, we, and we've and we learned so much. And this is something that's not nearly as severe as that. However, uh, it does morph, and it is a vaccine that, that morphs. And we've been attacking it by learning about it and then interrupting it. And different drugs work different ways. And these are called drug cocktails. And you you throw at it what you can to slow it down or stop it from replicating or, or with, reduce its power. The media intentionally wants to have it all be vaccine, 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 as if a vaccine is a cure, which it's not, and as if it's got no risk. And there's huge risks. And the average time of vaccine is 10 years. But I, 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 it is my opinion that they're playing this card because they know it's nearly impossible to get one done that fast, and then they also can blame that on, on Trump. And and it's it's just a half-truthing and, and not saying what – by – educating everyone to just wash your hands and don't let anyone hack on you, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know? i mean that has saved a ton of stuff and then we've learned okay most people get this more people get it than we thought more people don't get sick than we thought people that get sick we now have data uh you know there's hydroxychloroquine can help z can help Zinc, can help. there's other things that can help. There's everyone in the world going on trying to figure out what drugs can can slow it down. Uh, And we just want to keep you from getting going that deep in the hole. You know, we can't slam the world shut when there's when people have the flu and we're reducing the severity of this. But it's being exploited by the political class and the media because it makes money. It keeps power and it drives eyeballs. So you don't learn often. I mean, who finds that hospital stays are shorter and hospital stays are later and that less people that are sick are dying? Where's that headline? You know, all they do is put, oh, more deaths than we had six months ago. We have, we've tested a ton more people. We have a lot more people that are sick. That's true. But the percentage of people that are falling in the hole is way lower because we're not caught off guard and and baffled by this. And it'll get better over time.
1: You're talking about power, but who are the people that are exercising the power who are the people who are trying to get the power
6: uh everyone that is part of the bureaucracy and power structure of this country and i consider that big law big government big corporate and media and that's where the tentacles run through and those people uh sort of for example big government is all for the democratic party and all support them and they all go along to get along and they all make a fortune and they build a monopoly. And then they, you know, they slap Facebook on a hand on the hand with a five billion dollar fine. It sounds like a ton of money. But it's baked in the cake and Facebook's going nowhere and they write the check and they all go on. And they all make a fortune. And lawyers from the government go work at Facebook or Microsoft or wherever. And these people don't want their gig harmed. You know, they they have all sort of been comfortable frenemies, and they all make a fortune. And so anyone that's going to come in and rip a mask off that and say things like China's bad and these other countries are bad, and if we are just nice to them, they'll act uh, nice back to us, which is BS. And in the meantime, for 20 years, we've, we've therefore taken our entire manufacturing infrastructure and sent it to our enemy soil. That threatens all those people because they get to make money off slaves in other countries and and have higher profit margins. Anyone that's going to come in and, and threaten that's going to threaten their profit margin, their salary, their job security. Uh, and the same thing with the media. You know, the media does not want to lose; it's losing its impact as far as the big networks for years. So now they're trying to throttle off, you know, social media. And, and uh, it, it's a fascinating thing, actually, because. I think the liberals of the 60s hated uh, the 20th century industrialists of all the auto companies and all the big you know, companies, Union Carbide and all that. And the liberals of the 21st century just love our 21st century industrialists, and that's Twitter and Google and Microsoft. And, and these guys are, are massive, massive organizations Big in most countries. That's the power grid that wants back in. They want control because they don't want accountability for what they're doing, and they're smiling over here as they – employ slaves and make big profit margins over there
1: well let me ask you something i mean a lot of people talk about hey all our pharmaceuticals are made in china what is anybody doing anything about it i mean i know a lot of people are saying it shouldn't be there it shouldn't be done but is anybody doing anything about that
6: well that's been a something that's been allowed to morph for 20 years and Trump did uh, create a program, I think it's – I think he, he dumped like $800 million about two or three months ago to start bringing in drug manufacturing to the United States and, 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 and granting companies that will develop that. Because, I mean, we shut down the mill. You can you, you can burn a house down in two seconds. You can't rebuild it in two seconds. You know, we off all that infrastructure, and you can't just rebuild it in two seconds. But he has financially incentivized it. But you won't see it in two seconds. But that's what has to happen, and, and you know, the, the the Americans have got to understand what happened. I mean, I understand what happened because I work in the laboratory business, and I've seen our supply chain just get – I mean, literally, it's like a bazaar. It's like a Moroccan b- bidding bazaar. you got a, a boat of your supplies coming from China, and somebody else in the world outbids you, and even though you have a contract, they're like, too bad. Your order's not coming for another two months. I mean it's 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 insane for a while. It's getting better now, but you know, masks and jackets and coats and swabs and and, and all that stuff was to the roof. And you just you just it was it was it was nuts. And um that's because those people, the Chinese, were were exploiting and profiting off of their keeping a bag over our head so we were unprepared for this.
1: I'm going to change the subject. I'm intrigued by your title, The Devil Inside the Beltway. What is the book about?
6: Well, I was a healthcare entrepreneur for 20 years, and suddenly uh, a cybercriminal called me and said he found 9,000 patients in cyberspace. And he'd be happy to help me if I paid him 40 grand, and he'd be happy to let me know. But, of course, I'd have to, have to sign a contract first. And I thought that was extortion, and I didn't know that when I was going to tick him off by not paying him, he's going to turn me over to government. The government's going to believe him and not me. And I was so stunned by the lack of rights you have when an agency comes in to a cancer detection center that has 700,000 patients that I thought people need to know about it. So I wrote the book like a novel, but it's primarily a true story about how the government rolls when they're investigating you. And it's all an intimidation racket. And because I wrote that book, the New Yorker wrote about it last year. You can just Google Lab MD New Yorker. Um, Businessweek wrote about it. Darrell Issa had a congressional investigation. We won in the 11th Circuit. I uh, had to raise $12 million in pro bono defense to fight them. But after a decade of fighting them, I won. And it's just amazing to watch them you know, scatter like cockroaches with the lights on, that they were working with cyber criminals. They're so incompetent. They didn't know it. They destroyed a medical center, and they don't want anyone to know about it. So that book is to explain the powers that these bureaucrats have to skirt accountability and keep their six-figure jobs and their job security when they weaponize criminals to hurt Americans. And that's what happened. They they literally weaponized SA company with FBI investigation tools, that were used against uh, over a thousand companies. And I'm the only one that dug through it and got to the bottom line, which took a decade only to experience the entire infrastructure of that bureaucracy, use all their power to cover up that information. And by that, I mean, the media didn't report it. uh, The FBI didn't arrest anybody. The justice department didn't report it. Uh, And I'm not talking to Democrats. I'm talking to bureaucrats with power. When they're caught in their own corruption, the last thing they do is hold themselves accountable, which is the fundamental problem we have in the government, is who cares if you screw up big time, if you're going to not have held accountable, and you can keep criminals from going to jail when they harm people as long as your job's in check and you're not embarrassed publicly. And that's what we're dealing with now. What can we do about it? Yeah, we have to be aware of it. We have to get out of denial. We don't have to get super paranoid. We have to just understand what it is, uh, that we haven't been been taught a civics book that's been accurate in a century, and we have to vote those people out of office. You you really have to understand the crap (laughs) that we're being fed, and you have to honestly vote for Trump, and not so much because Trump is such a great guy, except Trump's the only one that's strong enough. He doesn't need that. He's got his own money. You can't offend him by calling him rude, and he'll take (laughs) him to task. You know, he'll take him to task, and 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 that have them going nuts. And so what happens when these spoiled, corrupt little children get threatened? Well, they throw temper tantrums, and they call names, and they call you racist, and they lie, and they steal, and they suppress, and they corrupt. And I just pray that enough Americans actually see this for what it is. it's, it's, It's so appalling. It's so bad. It's hard for a lot of people to actually take in how bad it is because they don't know what to do about it.
1: All right. Now, one last thing, I guess, for our listeners out there COVID, I think you said it. You wash your hands, you don't let somebody hack on you. Anything else? You know, I
6: think by and large that's it. I think you read the medical data, you don't get your medical news from your congressman or a TV reporter. Uh, you go through your own experience <laughs> and you stay as safe as you can. And you talk to your own physician. And you you take responsibility for your own health care. And if you start getting symptomatic, you learn about the drugs out there and you demand them. I mean, that's it. I mean, and, you know, and, and so you be proactive and, you know, but when you're sick, don't call your congressman. And when you're sick, don't go to CNN or MSNBC or even Fox. I mean, you – go to the New England Journal of Medicine and you read and you do what other people do and you and you have a relationship with your physician and if your physician is a politicized animal get rid of them.
1: <laughs> Michael Darty, thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Hey good talking to you take care. Okay take care. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, I know a lot of you out there, you're you're God-fearing people, you go to church every Sunday, but then when Election Day comes around, you vote for people that support an atheistic, anti-Christian agenda. And our next guest is addressing that issue. His name is Vince Everett Ellison. He's got a book out, The Iron Triangle, Inside the Liberal Democrat Plan to Use Race to Divide Christians and America in Their Quest for Power and How We Can Defeat Them. Welcome to Connors Corner, Vince.
7: Oh, man, thank you guys for having me. I'm happy to be here.
1: Okay, now uh, tell the audience a little bit about your background because, you know, we are on radio.
7: Well, I was born on a cotton plantation in Haywood County, Tennessee, and my father was a sharecropper, so I know about the um, Jim Crow South. I was born in it, and for the first eight years of my life, I lived on a cotton plantation. We didn't have any running water. We had no bathrooms, and my father pulled us out of poverty by working in the insurance industry. He got a job with a man named Al Ross, who had a life insurance company at a funeral home, and my father started working there, and he learned the insurance business and pulled us out of poverty. And I lived a pretty upper-middle-class life after that. Um, I went to college. We had a family singing group because my father and mother were very religious. And we went around singing gospel music in black churches, so that's where I learned the black church. And after college, I started working in the prison system in South Carolina. And uh, I thought we had overcome all black people had until I started working there. And I thought we were actually going backward. Uh, this was the 90s during the Clinton-Joe Biden crime bill when they gave you know, $40 billion to lock up men all over the country. And um, I asked the black intelligentsia what was going on. Why were these young men being locked up? We had three prisons in South Carolina in the 80s. We had 40 by the end of the 90s. And uh, they explained to me that it was these evil, rich, white Republicans that were doing it. So I decided to resign my post and uh, started a nonprofit to keep sending men to prison and were locking to lock them up. And when I got down to the black community, I found out something pretty interesting. I saw no evil white Republicans down there. Matter of fact, you would see a unicorn before you saw one.
1: <laughs> but I
7: saw, a, I saw a lot of black Democrats. And the ones that I saw that were making money off of the situation, of the chaos, it was these three groups mostly. Most black preachers, most black politicians, and most black civic organizers. They all had Cadillac and Mercedes riding around. And I found out they were contractors for a rich white liberals from New York and California. And they had one job and one job only, to make sure that the black community, Voted for the Democrat Party, ninety percent. That was their job. Hooker by Crook, Sharpton, Jacksons, uh, for the preachers. You had um, the uh, the politicians, Jim Clyburn, Maxine Waters, and then you had the 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 the, 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 the civic organizations, NAACP, CORE, uh, Acorn, all of them. And their job was to do one thing: to get black people to vote there for the Democratic Party. Because since the Democratic Party's inception in 1800, they have never ever existed where they did not have to have a way legally or illegally to murder black people. From 1800 to 1860, it was slavery, 1860, 1865, civil war, 1865 to 1965, it was Jim Crow where they slaughtered, raped, mutilated, destroyed. And then after 1865, when they can no longer keep black people from voting, they decided to control the black vote and activate, activate the iron triangle to keep them under control. And then they started killing black children before they were born. Thirty million for the, uh, they killed about thirty million and uh, they, they've aborted about thirty million so far of the ones that they don't kill. They make sure they they, they 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 give them a bad education and put them in prison, and then after 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 that they either physically or mentally castrate them. That's what they've done to our people. And when you saw what happened to George Floyd, it was a visual representation of everything they've been doing to black men since 1800. There's never been a time that they not did not have absolute control over the black community, except for a few years, doing Reconstruction. Short of that, they've always had control, and they've always gotten their power off of our black backs. It's been white Democrat gain, black pain for the last 220 years.
1: But why have they been successful in the last, let's say, 50 years?
7: Because of the Iron Triangle. Because for two reasons. Number one, conservatives don't show up. 90% of any gig is just showing up. That's old ball billion terms, and we don't show up. And because we don't show up, they can do whatever they want, say whatever they want, and they do it. They have two options down in the black community, a liberal and an ultra-liberal. But they infiltrated the Civil Rights Movement back in the, uh, in, in, in the 1960s. Uh, it was documented that John Kennedy told Martin Luther King Jr. before the March on Washington that he had communists in his organization. He named two of them, Stanley Levison and Jack O'Dell, and told him he needed to get them out. And King he said that they weren't communists. But he didn't remove them. So King, if he didn't know, he did know. And they remained in the organization. But when you listen to King's I Have a Dream speech, There's a lot of poison pills in there of Marxism. And we lionized this speech as this great piece of literature that was supposed to, supposed to make America free. But instead, it started black America and younger America down the primrose path that we still hadn't come out of. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, you know, I was at the Lorraine Motel in 2017. And I was wondering why Nick and all these guys were kneeling. What was their problem? America looked pretty good to me. These guys were superstars. They were, they were, they were, they were supermen. White people loved them. They were rich. But they were mad for some reason. They kept saying they weren't free. And so I was listening to the speech, and I heard King say something that was pretty interesting. I'd heard it, heard the speech a thousand times. But in the, in, in the present context, I heard it in a different way. He said, 100 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the Negro is still not free. That was an absolute bald-faced lie. I was born free. And according to uh, John Locke's Second Treaties of Government, my freedom was given to me by God. It is an unalienable right. And according to John Locke, these unalienable rights are irrevocable, non-transferable, and unsellable. They're like your DNA. Government's job is to help you secure your rights, because government doesn't secure them, you cure them. That's what Locke said, and that's what Jefferson said. King said we come to government for those rights in that same speech. We come to government to secure our unable rights. As a matter of fact, King said we come to cast a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom. Isn't that what he said? Now, how the hell can you get freedom from government when God gave it to you? Your freedom comes from God. You don't you, you hold God to his to to his promises. Hold him. You don't go to the government to, 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 to make them give a promise that God gave you. He described the Negro. He said that we are languishing in the corners of American society. Finally, he said we're exiles in our own country. He said we were not free. He said we were crippled. He said we were manacled. He said that we were lonely. He said we were exiles. That's what he said about me. That's what he said about my people. He said that he had a dream that one day that I wouldn't be judged by the color of my skin. Why? Because he thinks it's a bad thing. I never heard a white person or or or, or Asian person or an Indian state, I don't want you to judge me by the color of my skin. What's wrong with the color of my skin? Nothing's wrong with it. And we have our children walking around saying this all day long. Don't judge me by the color of my skin. If you don't want to be judged by something, it's because you're ashamed of it. I don't have a problem if you judge me by my height. I don't have a problem if you judge me by the escalade that I drive. Now, if I was driving some type of piece of car and you saw me out and I was like getting gas from my lawnmower, well, hey man, don't judge me by this. This ain't me. This ain't me. But if I was riding my hundred thousand dollar Escalade, I said, hey, "You can judge me by that." These are the poison pills that he placed in American society, and right now we're reaping the whirlwind of it. Right now, because we got young people walking around asking the government to do something that government cannot do. It cannot give you your freedom. It cannot protect you. It cannot. It cannot uh, uh, provide you happiness. Can't do any of it. That's all you. And we have to get back to the basics and teach our children what, what's right and what's wrong here in this country.
1: Now, when you're talking about what's right and what's wrong, you, you did touch upon a point, abortion. And and can you just, your viewpoint on it, because you started to take it, it's insidious what it's done to, the, to, to, to our country.
7: Well, I, I, I look at what Jesus said in the Bible when he said that he was around some children. He said, if anyone causes one of these to sin, it'd be better that a. Millstone be tied around his neck and he would be thrown into the sea. You guys are lawyers, so you know what cause means. Cause means you have no liability. You driving down the street, someone drives off the road, hits you, and knocks you into somebody. They say no, you, 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 uh-uh, you, you have no liability because this was caused by something. You say someone causes these little ones to sin. Now let's look at that for a moment. You got the, 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 the government that's telling a young girl who's pregnant, abort the baby. We'll pay for it. Doctors telling them that the child is not alive, go ahead, kill it. NAACP, Black Lives Matter, fighting for the right, telling that same child, go ahead and kill it. And then you have the preacher, who you know, Margaret Sanger, she she got him first of all. They're going to the black community, go ahead and kill the child. We're looking at cause here. The cause is not the young woman. The cause is the Iron Triangle and all these liars out there that are spreading this lie to these children. They're stumbling blocks. In front of people looking to be saved. You know, stumbling blocks come from this old Jewish concept of a blind man walking and you throwing stuff in front of them and making him fall. You're a stumbling block. So these children are looking for truth. All children look for truth. And these people put stumbling blocks in front of people that are trying to find it, causing them to fall, causing them to stumble. It's the black preacher, it's the black civic organizer, and it's the black politician. And they have a, and if you look at the condition of our people right now, our Bible also tells us you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. We have this poison pill of politics and religion coming together, and we've decided to side with politics against God, and you see what's happening to us. It also says, you know, a tree by the fruit is bare. He said they will come in my name, many of them, and they will ask the question, and they will do great works in my, in my name. There's wolves in sheep's clothing. They'll be so good they can fool the very elect. And his disciples asked that the Lord, how will we know them? He said, by their fruit. He did not say by what they say or what they do. He said about what they produced. See, you will not get good fruit from a rotten tree, and you will not get rotten fruit from a good tree. Look at the fruit of the black community right now, and you tell me if the tree is rotten or if the tree is good. From my point of view, the tree is rotten to the core. And the and the tree was the iron triangle.
1: Now you touched upon this, but you said a name that some people in the audience, Margaret Sanger. Some people are going to know who she is. Some don't. Probably one of the true evil women uh, of history. But can you tell the audience who she is? Was?
7: Yeah, Margaret Sanger was the. Uh, was, was she started Planned Parenthood, and uh, part of Planned Planned Parenthood was this thing called the Negro Project. She said more for the fit, less for the unfit. And she considered black people unfit, and she wanted to exterminate the black race in America. And she's going to use abortion and birth control to do it. And in order to get it done, she knew she couldn't go into the black community and tell black people what to do. So she got someone that they trusted. She went and paid black preachers to go around and help her do it. And they were all involved in it. Matter of fact, Gunnar uh, Mordahl, a Swedish um, economist, I have this in my book, Willie, wrote, a, wrote a book in the 30s called the Negro Parliament in America. And Mordahl talked about how the black preacher was set up by the slave master to keep black people under control. Um, and he just perpetuated the concept of slavery, and they still do today, but like, black people are not where they are by mistake. they' are where they are because this has been a plan, and the fear of black men by the by white Democrats has always been something that we all kind of knew about. they've always feared them that's why when they would hang them and castrate them, that's why they would tie them up and beat them to death in front of their families uh it was always this 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 weird um kind of uh uh social Darwinism that they had against black men and right now you see them doing it in real time in the cities the first thing they do when a group of black people come together is they just arm them they take the, they take away the, well they you know the black black people both of these people but they they take away the ability to defend themselves and um these people say that they are being hunted right they say that the gangs are hunting them they say the police are hunting them what's Joe Biden's plan hand your gun over to the very people that are hunting you. Man, why don't you just be expeditious and blow your own brains out? <laughs> you know, there, there's this uh, 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 poll that said, uh, I saw on June 4th from the Washington Post, it says since 1968 there hasn't been any narrowing in the wealth gap between black and white Americans. No narrowing. And since, 19, since 1968, uh, 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 I saw another uh, Harvard study that was cited by the DNC that said that uh, public schools are more segregated now than they were before Brown versus Board of Education. we got ten times more men in prison. Family structure has been obliterated. We're boarding half our children. And most black Democrats are celebrating because they can have a sandwich beside white people and use the bathroom beside them. That's their victory. It's a shame before God.
1: What, what do we do about this? I mean, what does your book say that we as a, as a group, you know, Whites, blacks, what should we be doing?
7: There's two things we can do very, very, very quickly. First of all, we have to realize that the GOP is not going to solve this problem. We've decided, we've thought that, you know, we've been telling them for a long time to go down there and run candidates and this and and the other. They won't do it. In the majority black districts, 50 majority black districts, I bet if you find a guy that's running for office down there and it's from the GOP, I bet he doesn't hardly have gas money. But the black Democrats have tons of cash. So we have to realize that they are not going to do it. So what do we do? We have to then say that we as Christians and as citizens have to do our part. We cannot, we're, we're like liberals in this. We are waiting for the government to do what we should do. Jesus gave, us a great, Jesus gave us a great commission. He said, go and spread the gospel to all the ends of the earth. But you start at home. And we're going to China and we're going to South America and we, we're going to Africa, but we have people right across the, side, right across the street across town that are being slaughtered in real time, a a, a cultural genocide right in front of us, black Christians dying. We can, on Sunday morning, we can take a caravan, uh, mostly mostly white churches, majority white churches, take a caravan down to a black church in the neighborhood and just go have service with them. Show up, talk to them. And then the second thing for all all, all, of our white Christians, when they show up, something you have to do, quick story, a man died that I, I we knew very well. We went to his funeral. His son was about my age, back a long time ago, in his 20s, crying and acting a fool. My daddy took him outside and slapped him in his mouth and told him, Boy, straighten yourself up. Remember who you are. Your daddy's dead in there, and your mama's in there to need your help. You're crying like a partner. Get back in there and remember who you are. And that boy sat down in there and acted like a man for the rest of the service. We need to shake black America. say they're Christian, and remind them who they are. See, I know who I am. I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I cannot be oppressed, and I cannot be a victim. So when they come up to you and tell you about white supremacy, when they tell you that that's some some type of white privilege, you tell them that as a Christian you refuse to live in condemnation. You tell them forgiveness cannot be earned. It cannot be expected or wanted. You tell them that I have repented and the United States have repented with almost a million lives in the Civil War and $22 trillion to the Great Society, and we sent 400,000 Republican Union troops down to free y'all the plantation, and most of y'all walk right back on again. We've done our job, and you will not make me live in condemnation. You are a slave looking for a master. I refuse to be your master. I will help you exercise your God-given right to freedom. I'll help you stand up like a man. But I will not carry your wretchedness. And you ought to be ashamed of yourself to say that you are a Christian and you're walking around in a spirit of unforgiveness and victimization. You, If you don't stand even either, either acknowledge your Christian faith and forgive and refuse to be a victim or say that you're a vagabond, and get out of my face. They are telling y'all that y'all have to bow down to them. You have to do what you did in the 60s when you told the world the Ku Klux Klan never speaks for us anymore. And we, black men like me, have to tell the rest of the world that Black Lives Matter are the brown shirts of the 21st century. And what you've been seeing over the last three, two, three months is black crystal now. Donald Trump had black people rising up. They had cars. They had houses. Lowest unemployment. And the Democrat Party did exactly what they've always done. During Reconstruction and during Jim Crow, What they, this is what they do when a black person tries to move up the plantation. They burn their crops. They poison their mule. They'll burn their barns and their houses down. they put them right back on the plantation. And that's exactly what you saw. You saw Adolf Hitler get his brown shirts, tell the Nazis to stand down and tell the police not to not, not, not to protect the Jews. And they went in and slaughtered everything. It's the same thing they did in in South Germany. You, if you look at Kristallnacht, look at the pictures of it. You'll see the graffiti. You'll see the burnt glass. You'll see the burned out buildings. It looks exactly the same. That's what they did to my people. They went down there put them back 50 years. They didn't go into the white community. They didn't go into white suburbs. They went down to the black community and they decimated it. Those people had done nothing. They didn't go to Derek Chauvin's neighborhood, the guy that killed George Floyd. They didn't go there. They tore down the black community because this is what they do. Black people have to stay under their boot for them to maintain power, and they cannot be allowed to raise their head. So we as Christians have to do our part. We have to go down and do what Jesus said. We have to be the good Samaritan again. What? The man that was hurt, the Levite and the priest who was brothers walked by him. Who got it? The guy that he thought was his enemy, the Samaritan. But the Samaritan wasn't his enemy. He was told the Samaritan was his enemy. We're the Samaritan. We have to be the good shepherd. What did Jesus say the good shepherd did? He left his flock to go get the lost sheep. Left his whole flock to go get that one lost sheep. We have to go back for the lost sheep. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. These are American citizens. They believe that we do not care anything about them. Therefore, they have slid to the dark side. Satan has whispered in their ear, come with me. Your own Christians hate you. We have to prove that wrong. And that's our job. And if we don't do it, it will not be done.
1: Vince Everett Ellison, thank you for speaking the truth, for preaching the gospel. The name of the book, The Iron Triangle, Inside the Liberal Democrat Plan to Use Race to Divide Christians in America in Their Quest for Power and How We Can Defeat Them. Thank you for being on well, Connor's also, Corner. You, go ahead.
7: Tell, tell your people they, they can go to my website, irontrianglebook.com. irontrianglebook.com.
1: Iron, uh, irontrianglebook.com? That's correct. All right. Vincent, thank you very much for doing what you're doing.
7: Thank you, sir. I appreciate you.
1: Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, again, accompanied by my wife, Beth.
4: I'm here.
1: And my son, Michael.
4: Hello, everyone.
1: All right. What would you guys think of uh, Mr. Ellison there? Personally, I mean, that,
4: first off, it it really does get you thinking, but I do think that's one of the best, most serious interviews that we've had on the show, period. It's one of those things, I mean, sure, you can have all kinds of people talk about race in America as though it's some kind of academic thing, or it's just an offshoot of left-right dichotomy or whatever else. But when you have someone who speaks that passionately about how he really felt, you know, listening to Dr. King's speeches, about how he really felt going through, growing up in these situations as a black man in America, and some of the conclusions he came to that were so wildly different that he had to defend from the people around him. Not only was it interesting, but it was very human and very powerful, and I think the more we have honest discourses like this in our country, the closer we're going to come to stepping forward together and better out of all of this.
3: I mean, mine's from an emotional point of view. I grew up in the South. Um, You know, my ancestors were on both sides of the conflict. Nobody owned slaves um very complicated situation this is a man who was a share whose parents were sharecroppers my grandfather's parents were sharecroppers my grandfather worked in the fields picking cotton just like mr ellison um and there i i remember as a kid be looking at the people that were the manipulators just mean people in the south mean people and mr ellison he he knows and he has been fighting them and he has he's named them just because you're a preacher doesn't mean you're a good man just because you're a politician doesn't mean you're a good person oh this he's he's nailed it he has absolutely nailed it
4: And so much of it, as he points out, I mean, so much of it is just follow the money. And unfortunately, when you start following the money, you see that this is about maintaining certain people in power. It's not about going to the community. It's not about uplifting people. It's not about getting them homes. It's not about giving them their own businesses. It's about keeping people in power above whole communities of our fellow citizens, our fellow Christians. And that is something none of us should be willing to stand for
3: well I, this the 60s mike i know you were up here and the 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 black communities up here were devastated by the the hippies coming in and the drugs and everything else the middle class you know hippies left and then all the destruction of these of these communities I don't know um i i just i there were a couple of times when he started when Mr. Ellison started describing the way he grew up and what had happened to him um you know and you just think you know God bless him, prayers we all need to be praying more,
4: amen. Now, those of our listeners who tune in for estate planning and elder law are probably you know, probably enjoying the wonderful interviews that we've had, but it's probably time to bring it back to the Ask the Lawyer section. So without further ado.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, when we start talking about estate planning, we're trying to help your families. And we're trying to make it easy for your families. So if you own a house and you want to protect it from medical bills, nursing home bills, You want to make sure that house doesn't go through probate. You know, one of the problems with COVID right now, which is not something that I even thought about five months ago, um, if, if you leave your house through your will, it's got to go through court. And if it goes through court right now, the courts are closed. So if somebody died, let's say, in the middle of March, and the children had an offer to sell the house, a lot of times they can't close right now because we're right in the middle of COVID and the court hasn't gotten around to it. And it's not something that I even, like I said, conceived of or thought about a few months ago. But you don't want to have to go through court. You don't want your children to have to go through court to sell your house. And the way you do that, you do a trust agreement. It's your house as long as you're alive. After you're gone, it goes straight to your children, Ordinary, ordinarily tax-free and by tax-free. If you're under $6 million in New York, it's tax-free. Um, it goes without going through court. There's no probate. And usually a lot of times we can save that house for medical expenses, nursing home bills. So if that's what you want to accomplish, give us a call at Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500.
4: Also remember that if you
1: have any questions, you can send
4: them to askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors, C-O-N-N-O-R-S, at gmail.com. To reach out to us, maybe get your question asked on Kevin McCullough. Certainly we'll get back to you one way or another.
6: Raised, heads Thank you. See you next down. week.
3: We're Bye-bye. Here
6: on Stay safe, everyone. To sing this way. We are, gathered, we are, we are gathered, gathered here on hallowed ground to sing We are gathered here on hallowed ground to voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing
7: this sword away.
2: Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500.
1: The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.